Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast today. My name is Cam Lancaster, the host of the Lancaster Golf Performance Podcast. So today we're going to talk about reflecting on the 2021 season and how we're going to build a more strategic plan for the 2022 season so you can hit your goals. The premise of this podcast basically, and this is what I'm diving to a lot with my own students right now, is I believe that every golfer has is leaving a lot of potential on the table for playing their best golf, right? So really this is going to be a, a small little insight as to how I look at my students and how you can start to look at your own game in a very process-oriented way of thinking, right? So if you'd like to learn more about our systems, I run two different golf academies in the Ontario area. So in Burlington, we're hosted by the Golfers Academy and in Ancaster, I'm hosted at the Mystic Golf Club where I run the Mystic Golf Academy. We're also accepting some new applicants to our online academy. I work with, I've worked with more than 100 golfers in five different countries. Right now, this offseason, we're accepting 15 more applicants, and we have about 11 spots filled. So if that's something that you're looking to doing, if you are if you can't make it down to Burlington or Ancaster, then I really recommend checking out our uh, application. If you can't find that, please just email me at LancasterGolfAcademy at gmail.com, or you can drop me a message on Instagram at LancasterGolfPerformance. Enjoy the show. So moving into the 2022 season, I think it's very important to first, you know, take a reflection period on what happened in 2021 in your golf game and then really start to build a new plan for 2022. So that's a lot of what I'm starting to do with my current students and and for my own game as well too. So it really is more of a rest period and a time to retool the system and then build from the ground up. If you if you've ever seen uh, Justin Thomas talk about, you know, post where his goals are at, I love that. You know, having very short measured goals in each category of your game, right? And I almost like to even look at those goals as certain skill sets that you need to improve in that category, right? So if we're looking at, you know, how do you become a better driver of the golf ball? Oftentimes it comes down to creating better speed and also getting in the gym and getting faster and stronger and more stable in your body, right? So in terms of the goals, you know, what we're gonna try and go through today is how can you look at things in a systematic manner and not in an emotional manner and make those improvements you know, the small incremental improvements that we're really looking for, right? So let's first dive into reflecting on your season and how to properly reflect on your season, right? So I think it's important to sit down with a journal, ask yourself these critical questions and write them out and really even search for those reasons. And, you know, it it doesn't have have to happen all in one hour. It could be something where you spend a week on this. And, you know, when you get that moment of, you know, that moment of sort of the light bulb moment, you can go back put that into your journal and then really, you know, that will be the reason why. So I find that I, when I've done this in the past, at times I've rushed through it and you, you know, you can uncover some answers that are actually not the direct answer as to why you, know, you fell short or you, you improve, right? So the first question I always ask myself is what got in the way of your success, right? So whether it be, you know, a story that you were telling yourself, whether it be, you know, work stress, life stress, something that got in the way, where you were getting to the golf course and you had something else on your mind. It could even be small things like having your phone on on the golf course and hearing it go off and it, it takes you away from the actual you know task at hand, right? Little things like that. So I always like to look for those little reasons as to what got in the way of my success. So for me, in my and just to you know share an example as we go through this, uh, my where I got in the way of my own success was a lack of work-life balance, right? So I never would really shut off the you know the work. Had I be answering uh, clients messages in the cart in between shots if there was a wait and it took me away from actually focusing on my own golf game right so I've made a rule for myself that you know no phone on the golf course 
uh, you know, even if it's a client, an urgent client matter, I'm going to make sure that as soon as I get off the golf course, I, I answer that client or any, any work email that I have. So that's been a big one for me. And it's allowed me to really lock in and, and get clear on, you know, what I'm actually trying to do out there as opposed to, you know, basically multitasking, which to me, the death of any golfer is multitasking in any way, right? So now the next question to ask yourself, you know, let's go with the positives is where did you make your biggest improvement and why, right? So I think really looking for that reason of why you improved is very important because obviously, you know, for you that th that reason is specific to you, right? So you might apply something that, you know, is a, is a, is an effective tool, right? Let's say like practicing, you know, up and down, up and down scenarios. But for you, that's not the exact reason why. Maybe you needed to really practice on mechanics that year, right? So it's important to identify that, you know, what was that thing that actually, you know, the cause and the effect, right? So oftentimes if you can dial into that cause, it can be an answer for every other part of your game. And what I mean by that is, you know, beginner golfers all sometimes, you know, see them applying practice habits that they would, that, you know, a tour pro would be applying, like practicing scenario-based stuff, like getting, trying to get up and down. And when they should really just be all focused on, getting better technically and maybe not even playing for a whole year and just focusing on really dialing the mechanics in their swing and the, and the mechanics of their short game right so that why is very important uh you know how often the next question i'd ask and this kind of goes in in part of the first question is how often did you play where you brought stress to the golf course right so you know say you were the biggest one i'll see is oh i didn't get a warm-up in i was on my way i was in a rush to the golf course and, you know, I got to the first tee, you know, got out of the park, parking lot to the first tee, and basically my first four holes were a mess. And, you know, by the 10th, 11th hole, I started to find momentum or it goes the other way and, and things got worse and worse through the day, right? So even just having to rush yourself into a round of golf is a, uh, is a you know, pretty much a recipe for disaster. Sometimes you can make it through. For some people, it works, right? Very rare I see that happen. But most often, it's, it's going to lead to, you know, just everything is... You know everything's a little bit rushed your tempo is a little bit off and you know the greatest thing that you can apply to your game in terms of rhythm is slowing everything down that's what tiger woods did so well at a high level for so many years right so the next next one would be is you know what story are you telling yourself and what was your languaging like on the golf course right so that's something that i'll see a lot is you know when i play with people i've been guilty of this before so it's not like i'm immune to it <clears throat> you know what what were the things that basically, you know, you were telling yourself that we're limiting beliefs, right? So a lot of the times I'll hear, well, I was consistent here, but I was inconsistent there. And, you know, so for one day, my driver shows up and my irons are awesome. And the next day it's flip flopping, right? And that that can actually be even just an addictive cycle of knowing that one part of your game is going to be on one part of your game is going to be off and you just sort of accept that, right? Or you identify yourself as I only shoot in the 80s. And that's all I shoot when really, you know, your, your real potential is in the seventies or even maybe in the high sixties. Right. And that's another thing I'm always looking at too, with every golfer. And these are things that we focus on. I, you know, I don't really, you know, actively present it to golfers, uh, but I'm, I'm starting to do a lot more as to, okay, where's the untapped potential in your game? Where can you, you know, if you believe you're into the eighties, I, I think you firmly can get 10 shots better. And a lot of that is with, you know, the, the story that we're telling ourselves. The only way I found to really work your way out of that story is to have an awareness as to when you're you're telling yourself that story. So, you know, if you constantly say to yourself, I'm a poor driver of the golf ball, 
or you view yourself as you know hitting hitting hooks or you're coming up to a tee and you're like oh you know even sometimes i'll the the worst part i'll see is people will tell like oh my driver's so crap before they hit it and then after they said it so they say see look and that's something to be aware of so if you get the awareness around when you're doing it you can start to correct that habit right and start to tell yourself a new story now what what i think about that is that there's always a mechanism in our brain that is going to want to keep telling us that it's going to keep feeding us that you know that bad that bad self-image right call it your ego call it whatever you want we need to act consciously work towards eliminating that message or not not so much eliminating i don't think you can never eliminate it but quieting that message and replacing it with a stronger more affirmative more positive message right so for me the thing that i've always had a dialogue running through in my head when i'm out there is say i miss a green I'm automatically thinking bogey, even though I have a great short game, I, I get up and down, you know, probably 65% of the time, you should take those odds and think, no, I'm going to get this up and down, I'm going to make a par, but I can almost mentally see a number in my head, so say I'm one over going into the fifth hole, I miss a green, I can almost see two over in my head, and that's something that I would almost just, uh, you know, accept and, and give into earlier on in my playing career where now I have to actively tell myself, no, this is going to be a part. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go into my process. I'm going to go into my pre-shot routine, pick a very specific spot with where I'm chipping, land at that spot, and then hold a putt, right? So really get into the process as to, you know, how to get up and down, right? So it'd be important with, you know, identify the story in all facets of your game from, you know, driving, iron play, wedge play, putting, identify what that story is you told yourself whether it's good or bad right and then if it's a bad one then write on a story just beside it you know as to what is the what is the new story that you want to tell yourself and what is the story you're going to work towards going forward right the next thing is did you take time for discipline and strategic practice right or did you practice at all because i think the one thing that i you know that, that almost gets under my skin quite a bit and you know i get it like people People have lives to live, and golf is one of those things that, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time and life gets in the way. But to me, if you're going to spend money on lessons, it's not just enough to get a new technique, and then you have that there. The technique needs to be grooved over and over and over again in a in a really you know concise way, right? And I oftentimes, when I hear that one of my clients, they say, oh, I'm busy, I can't do this or that, but they're paying for the lessons, the, the thing I always default to is, okay, well, you know, everyone has 10 to 20 minutes extra in their day where they're hanging around. Say you work from home, you're on a Zoom call where the camera doesn't need to be on. Those are the moments that are, that are gold to me because you can pick up a club and work on the motor pattern that I've given you 20, 30, 40, 50 times, do it over and over and over again. And to me, that's just as valuable as range work, right? It's almost like the difference between, you know, visualizing and the real thing. You know, the, the, the neurons in your brain fire just as equally as a wood during the real thing, right? So that's where you can really start to work on your swing. And that, that to me is discipline, strategic practice. So I've oftentimes had my best practice sessions at home. You know, I'm lucky to have a little bit more of a green space than most people, but even just, you know, being very intentional with some swing mechanics, even in the living room, I found I've had some big breakthroughs on feeling a new motor pattern, right? So, and just an example of that, some of the big things I've been working on in my game has been to eliminate my chicken wing through through the proper mechanics so my left arm gets a little bit bent as I come into impact it causes the club face to slightly open and then I have to square it up by flipping right so 
the simple act of doing these lead arm drills where I'm basically taping my the top of my left arm to my chest going to the top and then keeping that glued and then rotating the shoulders into impact that's been the feel I've gone off of and when I've played my best golf this year and I've I always refer back to my little living room sessions where I do 50 reps a night of that feeling and you know it translates to the golf course right so the next thing you know those are kind of some of the critical questions I would ask it's a pretty simple simple way of looking at it right next thing is to rate your skill sets right and really kind of not just rate oh you know greens and regulation fairways hit you know the typical stats you'd see on the PGA Tour website that you know every golfer is tracking if they are tracking it right but look at the to me those are the effect stats right the, the cause stats are the skill sets behind you know what makes a great driver of the golf ball right or what makes a great putter right so first and foremost let's talk about you know the longer game which is you know driving long irons mid irons fitness and health is a big thing right so if you're if you're unfit to play the game and you're also you know eating poor food creating a lot of inflammation in the body i find you know it's just hard to hit fairways hard to hit it long and hard to hit it to your potential right so looking at that you know just doing a little inventory as to what your diet is what I'll sometimes do with my high-level players is bring them through the uh, Czech Institute health questionnaire where it's basically like 130 questions based upon lifestyle habits everything from sleeping to eating and then you get a score output from there and it tells you if you're in the red zone yellow zone green zone and it's like a you know an income statement for business terms where it's always a moving target right and you can do this what I, I actually use this system when I lost 40 pounds in about five months and it it really allowed me to get a clear snapshot as to okay where are the little mini habits that are, are creating all the problems right so it could be as simple as well you identify that you're you know an hour before bed you're on screens and then you're waking up at 3 a.m. every night and and that one little habit can mean everything because that sleep can completely derail uh, you know your your ability to come to the golf course and feel restored and rested so I do those questionnaires when I was actively focusing on it I'm gonna start to be focusing on it again I would do those questionnaires once a week you know you can even do them once a month or once every six months but if you really get that dialed in it's almost just that you know that little inventory that you take right and the fitness levels too you know are you doing full body you know range of movements that actually translate to the golf course right so an example of this is the one thing I always see where golfers get into trouble is they're going to do an arm day and then a leg day and then an ab day. But realistically, you know, I was having a conversation with this with a CrossFit trainer the other night, one of my clients, and he was talking about how you never, you're never going to do, like the golf swing is a full body motion. You use all of your, you know, all the moving parts in your body pretty much to make that motion. So isolating your arms or isolating your, your lower body or your, your abs is you know, recipe for disaster because you're not not everything is firing together right so when things get out of sequence it's hard to time your golf swing right so I recommend people to do a lot more stuff like kettlebell swings full body squats you know lunges with weights in your hands uh, squat jumps anything to do with weighted swings where you can do a swing fan or the speed sticks anything that's a full body range of movement right so I, I believe that all you really need for a really great golf workout is a kettlebell, a Swiss ball, and then a balance board, right? And you know that all that equipment probably costs under a hundred bucks, and it's going to carry you a long way. That's personally what I use, and I've been able to get pretty consistent distance gains off of that, right? So that's a long rant, uh, rant for 
you know, talking about what contributes to a good long game, right? The next piece of that would be your swing mechanics, right? And this is where you'll probably need the help of a coach who really understands the biomechanics of movement in relation to a golf swing. Because I often find, and even for myself as a coach who focuses mainly on swing biomechanics, you can easily run into bias as to what your swing is, you know, what's happening in your swing. And usually the cause is not what you think the cause is and you're, you're going more towards the effect, right? So swing mechanics, fitness and health, those things relate to a better long game. Now moving on to the, sh- uh, you know, the short game, right? I think that's the next thing we have to evaluate is to me the, the best way uh, to, to look at your short game. And I'm, I'm going to talk about short game in, in, the, in the realm of you know, anything that's like a nine iron all the way to a three foot putt, right? So those are your scoring clubs basically. Mechanics. The mechanics have to be sharp before you can focus on practice habits, right? And this is why I'll always tell, like I said at the start of this podcast, I'll always tell beginner golfers, focus strictly on the mechanics for the first three to four years, as long as it takes, right, to have a world-class level of mechanics. Get the right motion and then groove that motion over and over and over again, right? It's not even really, you know, worth playing a whole lot if you want to take your level game you know let's say you're a golfer who wants to take his game to a level of scratch or even to the 70s to get to that level you just have to have a certain level of mechanics in your short game right so simple things like you know making sure the wrists don't break down into impact with anything having the proper sequencing in your backswing to be a little bit shorter and a little bit more of a follow-through learning acceleration through the ball learning where the weight needs to be and how lean forward the club has to be and how where the ball position needs to be and your chipping uh, with putting learning how to use just your shoulder structure to make a good stroke and keeping your head down so simple things like that right so use a coach to you know really help you evaluate okay where are those you know two to three to four things in your motion that are really causing you problems right so if you if you have that dialed in the next thing is evaluating what your practice habits were like right so to me, once you have good practice, once you have good mechanics, the most important thing is having a very strategic mix of in-game scenario practice versus technical practice, right? And I'd say if the technical is dialed in, 80 to 90% of your practice should be in-game scenarios, right? And this is really important for people who maybe don't have the ability to go play four times a week or five times a week even three times a week if you only have you know two to three hours <clears throat> to work on your game then you know maybe two two out two hours of that should be short game practice where an hour and a half of it is in-game scenario work meaning if you have a, access to a putting green up and downs up and downs you know with a, a lob wedge up and downs with a bump and run club up and downs with a lag putting right so Measuring those numbers too is also important. So compare yourself, you know, I think it's important to compare yourself to the highest level to ascend to a higher level, right? So to me, I'm always looking at the stats of, okay, what's the average on tour of, a, of you know, they get up and down and I'm just trying to beat that number every time. Or, you know, if you're a little bit, you know, more or less developed in skill set, just try and beat your, your, your personal best over and over again, right? So if you're going out there, you're going to pick nine holes for me, I'm always trying to be six of nine or better, right? So a wedge and a putt in the hole of six of nine. If I can do that, I'm pretty happy, right? So the next part of that is evaluating your, let's talk about like the intangible skill set. So 
the the way you would approach the game mentally, right? So a few questions that I'll ask, uh, you know, ask people in terms of the mental game is, you know, how nervous do you feel in the first tee? And how often do you feel like you succumb to those emotions? How often do you get angry out there and you feel like it takes you a few holes to, you know, taper off? And, you know, that that's another key important thing, right? So dealing with the anxiety and then also dealing with the anger are two things that I often see. Also dealing with the doubt. So, you know, do you make a double bogey and a bogey and then you pack it in for the day, right? So the mental game is super important. It probably is the most important thing in the game realistically, right? You can see some players on, on the tour who maybe don't have the strongest mechanics, but they're mentally strong as ever. A perfect example of this would be Terrell Hatton, you know, guy who's a rider cupper, and you would never teach his motion to a sw- uh, you know his motion to a, to a player. It just wouldn't be something that would be recommended, or even like a Lee Westwood, even Phil Mickelson, right? And these are guys at the highest level of the game with maybe not the strongest mechanics in their swing, but they're still able to re- repeat a produce, you know repeat a motion over and over again. And a lot of that comes from their mental ability to to go through adversity, right? So how do we build our mental game better? I think there's a couple, you know, key key things that you can do. I think it's important to have some sort of mindfulness practice. I've talked about this a lot before, and it's about finding a practice that really works for you and then doing it on a consistent basis day in and day out, no matter how you're feeling, no matter where you're at in life, right? And then, you know, the other thing about building mental, you know, mental strength is to put yourself in situations in your training that are a lot harder than what you're going to experience on the golf course, right? So for me, some simple things that I do is, you know, at least once a week, I'm going to put myself through a pretty intensive workout where, you know, I'm basically trying to drown myself and I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the deep end and really, you know, I want to get to that point where I'm 45 minutes into an hour workout and I want to quit. I want to give up. I almost want to feel like I'm puking. You know, I wouldn't recommend that for everyone, but it does, it does allow you to take it to that next level because you get into the out onto the golf course where you're not feeling so good or say you make a double and a triple and you're like holy shit and you're five over through two holes and you're playing with you know let's say you're playing with your father-in-law and you know that's when the pressure is on right so how do you respond to that moment where you feel like you've embarrassed yourself in front of someone that's important to you and how do you work yourself out of that right you know the 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 only response to that uh from you know, if you put yourself in those experiences just to battle and gut it out. That's the one thing I've always loved about Tiger is he's never, I don't think Tiger's ever been on a golf course where he's given up, right? And, and a lot of that came from his military style of military discipline that he grew up with from his dad and then the, the meditations that he would do from his mom, right? So if you look at Tiger uh, as a blueprint for mental strength, which I think he is the ultimate, that's what made him the best was his mind. Obviously, he had the skill sets you know, back in the day, <clears throat> swinging at 130 miles an hour in the early 2000s, that was just unheard of. But really, I think he could have swung that way at 105 miles an hour and still been one of the best players in the world, or if not the best player in the world, just because of how strong mentally he was, right? So again, just to just to cap on that with the mental game, having a daily meditation practice that can allow you to calm down, especially if you can do it 30 minutes before you go play, and then also having habits that you know, those simple little habits that can put you in that scenario of being in the deep end so you can work yourself out of it. Okay, so now that you've done that reflection on the year, you know, we're going to keep it pretty simple in terms of how to chart out your plan for next year. 
and a lot of this I would go into a lot more depth if I had a student in front of me or even evaluated my own game but basically it's important to first go and see a coach and share this data with them because I think the more data a coach has then it's going to be way easier for them to really understand where you're you know where you're falling short oftentimes with with some of my high performance students I'll use a training journal and basically these training journals will, will chart out all those small daily habits and it's very easy for me to pick out where they're actually falling short right so have a have a coach and help you chart out you know where exactly you're you want to improve so looking at all those different skill sets that we talked about before and then having an action plan for each of those skill sets right and you know oftentimes too if something is going well let's not let's not mess with it right and if you've had a formula for success success on your putting and you feel like you're putting to your potential there's no reason to break it down and restart right so this system really should be based on small daily habits right so if you can to me like if you can get everything done in your game in the off season in an hour to two hours that's that's good enough right beyond i was talking to one of my coaching friends the other day and he works with a lot of high performance juniors uh, doug laurie and, and doug talks a lot about how he, he shared this with me and I, I thought it was brilliant that you can only really have a strategic amount of focus for a half an hour and then when you get past, past that half an hour window typically your gains start to go down right so if you have two hours to, to dedicate to your golf game and fitness a day then spend a half an hour on meditation spend a half an hour on hitting balls or you know not even hitting balls if you don't have anywhere at home to hit just just simply working on drilling mechanics and then you could spend a half an hour on putting and chipping wherever you're struggling at in the short game and then spend a half an hour on your fitness and maybe that fitness you're only at a level where you should just be stretching for 30 minutes a day right so that's your small little system there really those little actionable things that you can do to improve step by step that's everything right and this kind of brings me into my last point i'm going to keep this pretty concise my final message would be is be process oriented in your in your mindset with this as opposed to results oriented so obviously you know we have to set it's important to set goals to have a result in mind that we want to achieve but to me that to me that doesn't mean anything if you don't have a very strict process to follow right so we never rise to the level of our goals we always fall to the level of our systems and that's that's coming from I think atomic habits and it, it is really true right anytime I've been able to achieve anything in my life or anytime I've seen students achieve any any level of success is because they followed a daily system unconsciously or consciously and that system has allowed them to get there right so that would be the kind of the closing message is always process oriented thinking and your practice habits on the golf course the process you know the journey is always a lot more important than the results and if you stick to that process then it's gonna be very easy for you to get to that level where you need to get to hey so thanks so much for watching the show today I really appreciate your support. If you can go leave us a review on Spotify, that really means a lot, or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If there's any questions that you have for me based upon these systems, I'd really encourage you to reach out to me and you know, just to encourage more of a thoughtful conversation around your game. I'm always open to chatting. You can message me on my email, lancastergolfacademy at gmail.com, or you can send me a message on my Instagram at lancastergolfperformance. I'm always monitoring that inbox, so I'll get back as soon as I can. Best of luck, guys, with your game. We'll see you soon.